Welcome to the New Freedom Church Podcast. This podcast will help you grow deeper in your faith through weekly 30-minute talks. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get each new episode as it's released. Now sit back and relax as God speaks to you through this message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the uh, Gospel of Luke chapter 6. There's so much in Luke chapter 6. We shared last week how that uh, the Jesus way is one of rest, it is one of Sabbath, and we talked about what it means to take a break, to take a pause, to really reflect on life, and so every seventh day, or at least on a regular routine after we've worked six, that we give the Lord a day of rest and Sabbath to our souls. Today, I want to look at Jesus' instructions and how to deal with difficult people in life. Without a show of hands, has anyone ever encountered someone in your life that's just a little bit difficult to deal with? And someone's looking at you saying, yeah, you are the one that's difficult for me to deal with. Now, not all difficulties are the same, but in life, we will all face difficult situations. Each day, every moment of the day, we are choosing our own difficult. Now, here's what I mean by that. It's difficult to take time, energy, and effort to apply yourself to learning in school and education, a skill, a craft, a trade. It's difficult to set aside time in preparation when you could just be out there busily working and earning a paycheck. But it's also difficult, it's a whole nother difficult, to not apply yourself in time learning in education and try then at an adult age to earn a livable wage without a skill, a trade or some type of, 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 of uh, ability to work and make a livable wage. So that's difficult in and of itself. It is difficult to apply the time, energy, and effort in prepping your meals and having a regimented diet and exercise, but it is also difficult to suffer at an age when your body is breaking down and your joints are getting a little bit creaky and you feel like the tin man when you wake up in the morning, you're looking for the oil and you, you, you're like, oh man, how did this happen? Well, you're choosing your own difficult. It is difficult to apply yourself, as Scott said earlier, to open up the Word of God on a routine basis and get into what God would say to us. It's difficult to apply ourselves to take a a time of rest and Sabbath like we talked last week. It's difficult to apply ourselves to devoting to God a time of prayer and preparation of our lives. But you're going to choose your own difficult because it's also difficult to navigate life's turmoils and trials on your own. So today we are all choosing our own difficult. It's your choice. And when it comes to dealing with people, we don't always necessarily choose those who cross our paths, but there is some wisdom that Jesus gives us to guide and navigate difficulties, difficult situations and difficult people. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 27. In the 27th verse, it says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully, everybody say spitefully, use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also, and from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do likewise to them. But if you love those who love you, what credit is it for you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. 
And if you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is it to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. That is the word of the Lord. Now, I find that in my Bible, those words are written in red, which means that they are attributed directly to a quote of Jesus. These were the words of Christ. And so he starts off by saying, to everyone who will hear, hear these sayings, hear these words. Now, this is, of course, the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. There are 122 verses in the Sermon on the Mount, comprising about three, four chapters of Scripture. And so from this, we get all of these great teaching of Jesus. We had the the Beatitudes a few uh, weeks ago. We were talking about all the the blessed words and the Beatitudes. But this is an instruction that Jesus gives that I find particularly difficult to hear. And he says it so, and he says, for those who hear, hear this. Another place he says, let those who have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit of God has to say. Now, we all in this room, basically, and those uh, listening online, we all have ears. So we have the capacity, the wherewithal, the ability that we can process audible information. But we don't all really listen or contemplate or receive what it is that we actually hear. And here's what Jesus is saying. More than just the ears on your head, there is a hearing of your heart. More than just the things that are audible that you come into your mind, there is something on the inside that you can process and you can develop internally that information and use it as wisdom, not just information. Wisdom is the knowledge and the application of information. And here's what Jesus is giving, is he's giving a sage, wise saying on how that we are to deal with people who are just a little bit difficult. You've probably heard it said like this, listen now, but hear me later. Or hear me now and truly listen, understand, process, and apply what you learn at another time. I remember hearing years ago, my, my childhood pastor said, it's amazing to him how much that his father learned in seven years, from the time that he was 14 to the time that he was 21. And sometimes we can give wisdom, we can, we can tell someone something, and we can preach to them even, but until the time is right, until their heart is seasoned, until the wisdom is applied, they may never truly hear it. And this is what a parable was. For Jesus, a parable was like a time-release capsule. You know, if you take a, a time-release capsule into your body, it doesn't just all disperse at one time, but over a period of minutes and hours, it will give just a little more burst of that nutrient, a little more burst of that medicine. And so a parable, and these are parables that Jesus was talking to us in, they are a truth concealed for the right time for it to explode in your heart. And maybe today is the day that something is like a light bulb going off. You have an aha moment where you say, yes, I relate to this. I can now hear what Jesus is saying. I see four internal spiritual responses that Jesus gives us in dealing with with difficult people. And the first one is this, love your enemies. How can Jesus truly stand behind a pulpit, stand up in a synagogue and make this a 
sentinel part of his message to say, not just tolerate your enemies, but to actually have love for a deep compassion and understanding, a desire to see the best for your enemies. Now, in the, in the day that we live, we think that, that our politics are so superheated and so divided. We think that, that we live in, the, in one of the worst political days. But I would tell you, if you would go back more than 100 years, if you would go back to probably like the Civil War era of America, there were more polarization in that day than there is even today. And, and we can easily watch mainstream news and think that if you're a Democrat, a Republican is your enemy. If you're a Republican, the Democrat is your enemy. And it's easy for us to, to just buy into this notion that unless everybody thinks like us and votes like us and talks like us and goes to the places we go, then they're not for us and therefore they are against us. Newsflash, there are Republicans who love God and love country. Newsflash, there are Democrats who love God and love country. Now, someone already is a little bristled saying, uh-uh, they're evil, they're bad. Those are the other side. It, regardless of the side you're on, here's what Jesus said. Whomever you think to be your enemy, you have one command, love them. Because here's, here's, here's the, the fact that Jesus is trying to relay. You cannot antagonize and influence at the same time. Amen. If you always treat the enemies those who are on the other side as though that they are not redeemable, that they're not even possible to have any kind of reconciliation, then of course they're never going to see things your way. But if you would truly see what Jesus was trying to convey and he actually walked it out. Remember, this is early in his ministry. For three and a half years, he was going to practice this and then he was going to go to a criminal's cross and he was going to die at the hands of people who actually were his enemy. They were enemies of the cross of Christ and yet he died for them. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and he allowed the nails to pierce into his hands by people who were enemies of the cross. Why? Because Jesus knew something about about the perceived enemies of his day is that they too were redeemable by the blood of Jesus. Somebody say, that's good gospel news right there. Amen. Amen. Even those who we perceive to be our enemies are redeemable in the sight of God. They were made in the image and likeness of God. So putting aside our petty differences, and I will tell you, they are petty differences when we look in the scope of eternity, any kind of little fight or skirmish or any kind of issue that we're dealing with right now, there is a deeper truth, there's a deeper matter, and that is that the souls of people matter. There's this notion right now that there is some fight over the soul of America. Listen, America doesn't have a soul, but America has comprised people who have souls. And those souls need to know that there is a redeemer who lives. There is a cross that bleeds. There is a word that is living and eternal in the heavens. And Jesus is the answer for America. You will never find the answers for America in the White House. The answers for America is found in God's house. Amen. It's found grounded in the word of God. It is found grounded in the sayings and the teachings that Jesus is so eloquently giving us in this text. Four internal spiritual responses. An internal response is to love your enemies. Number two is this, do good to those who hate you. Now, how do we do this? As a Christ follower, you should not, listen to me, 
You should not. I just told you that I love being your pastor, right? As a Christ follower, you should not have hate in your heart for anyone. But there may be some people (laughs) who have hate in their heart for you. And Jesus knew this. But what did he say to do about that? Gossip, complain, get even, revenge, marginalize them, talk bad about them, do a mean tweet about them. No, here's what Jesus said, do good to them. You find somebody that hates you, do good to that person. Why? How do we do that, pastor? Well, the scripture tells us it is the love of Christ that compels us. You may in the natural not want to do it. There may be something that rises up inside of you and you've got the quick little quip and retort. You've got the pithy little statement that you can put on there and you can fix all the problems with one social media post. I mean, after all, that is the place everybody gets their minds changed, right? But Jesus said, just do good to them. You will in no way lose your reward if you offer someone who's thirsty a drink of water in his name. That's doing good to someone. There's a major rally uh, several years ago when the culture war was, was really heating up about the, the, the issue of gay marriage. And on the, on the, the, the Capitol building of, of many states, there were these rallies that were taking place. And uh, the Billy Graham organization had gone to, to one of these rallies. And, and this is well documented. You can, you can read about it. Is that on one side, they had a megaphone and they were talking uh, very loudly and, and, and very passionately about the, 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 the sides of, of why that people should be able to do what they want and, and, and all of these, these kind of cultural things. And on the other side, the back side of the Capitol building, the Graham organization had brought water for those who were protesting their cause and they were giving water to those on the other side. And when they received the bottle of water, they said, well, what organization are you from? And they told them what organization. They thought for sure that they wouldn't have gotten good done to them from that organization, because after all, they didn't agree with their political stance. But yet, somehow, someone decided, you know what? We're going to do good to those who may even have a hate for us. Not everybody's gonna like you. Jesus said that if they hated the prophets of the Old Testament, if they hated those that had come before, then, then they're gonna have a hate in their heart for you too. But don't despair. Be of good cheer. Jesus has already overcome the world. So the first internal spiritual response is love your enemies. The next one is do good to those who perceive to hate you. And then the third one is this, bless those who curse you. Now, the word blessing here, if you, if you define this, this word in the Greek, it is not the word blessing where you give a gift to somebody. It is actually the word that we know of as eulogy. And when you give a eulogy for someone, it's usually at a funeral service where you're you're speaking well of the person's life. Usually, I've been to a lot of funeral services, usually in the scope of someone's life, there is something in someone who can stand up to say something good about that person. They may not have always been a good person. They may not have been a godly person, but usually someone can speak well of them. Someone knew them in a different capacity than you would know them. And so here's what Jesus is saying, is that if you bless those who curse you, there is a spiritual internal response that you're operating as a child of the Most High God. And so when you bless those who curse you, what you're doing is you're speaking well of them. If you live long enough, you may get the opportunity to be able to be confronted 
with the possibility of speaking well of someone who has cursed you. You may be in the position sometime to be able to dish the dirt, to tell what they did, to tell your side of the story, and when someone comes picking for the information, you will have this spiritual internal desire to bless them, to do what? Not lie. Not even tell all the truthful things. Let me just tell you the truth, the truthful things. You can tell the truth in a real hateful way too. But to speak well of them. And when you do, you are showing what Jesus said is a family resemblance of being like a child of the Most High God. The fourth is this, pray for those who spitefully use you. Now, I had you say that word spiteful a moment ago. When you look up that word spiteful, it means a desire to inflict injury. You probably can get in your mind's eyes someone in your life's path that has desired or they accomplished afflicting an injury upon your life. And you know, the other part that this spiteful word is not only someone who desires to inflict injury, but a petty grievance. And most of us can come up with someone in our path who has crossed our life's path that has had a petty grievance against us. And Jesus is saying this not as some person far removed from dealing with difficult people. Jesus dealt with difficult people in every city and every town he went to. I just shared with you a couple of weeks ago that after teaching in the synagogue, the most uh, surprising church service ever is that after standing up and and blessing the people and closing the book and sitting down, it says that they were so astonished at Jesus' teaching, they took him out to the hillside and they were going to throw him off over the hill to kill him. I've been in some real interesting church services. I've been in some not so good message church services too, where the the preaching, you couldn't, you're looking down, couldn't wait to get down. But I've never been in a church service where afterwards we we didn't like the evangelist so much, we're going to go out and kill him. And I hope you never feel that way about this church. But that's exactly what they try to do. Jesus didn't say this in a vacuum. He said, pray for those who have a petty revenge to get back at you. And praying for such a person, listen, does not mean that you're going to reconcile with them. It does not mean that you're going to invite them over for Thanksgiving dinner. There are some people that you may simply not ever fellowship with again. You don't pray against them eating. You just don't want them to eat at your table no more. Okay, that's okay. That's all right. Jesus is saying, you should pray for them. You should desire to speak well of them. You should have a love on the inside. This is a spiritually internal response to difficult people. But your inner life, your internal life, the real you, the you we can't see, cannot be observed with the natural eye but it proceeds out to affect the outward life. And so there are four outward and godly responses to difficult people that Jesus gives us in this same text. Here's the first, turn the other cheek. You've probably heard this one, turn the other cheek. Someone slaps you on the, on the face. What do you do as a believer in Christ? You turn the other cheek. I heard one guy say, I turned the other cheek pastor, but it didn't tell me what to do after that. So I just hauled off and I hit him. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Don't do that turn the other cheek is being willing to suffer an insult, to overlook an offense. You know, the scriptures tell us in Proverbs that it is to the glory of a person to overlook an offense. Jesus said, woe 
to you who are offended. It, it is impossible not to be offended. You're going to be offended. There are going, offenses will come. It's going to happen. We're human. We grate on each other's nerves. You ever been around someone, they're just kind of sandpaper? Yeah. Maybe you're not sitting by them right now. Maybe you are. Don't act, don't act like you are. But we are going to deal with difficult people. And Jesus said that when you get offended and someone strikes you on the cheek, he said, turn the other cheek. This is an outward effect of what inwardly is already happening. Jesus set us up with the first four inward responses so that we would be empowered and engaged and we could actually fulfill the next four. You see how he does? Jesus always has a great setup. And then he's going to knock it down right here with these four godly. The next one is this. If they take your coat, offer them your shirt also. What? In, in having this, my coat, enough? No, Jesus said, if they take it, if they by force rip your coat off, say, oh, you needed that? Do you want this too? I'll give you my shirt. Give them your shirt too. This is going the extra mile. This is taking the high road. We've heard, we've heard the phrase taking the high road. Here's what you'll learn about taking the high road. There's less traffic out there. There's no traffic jams on the high road. Nobody's rushing to get there. You may be there all alone. You may be ridiculed for taking the high road. You may look weak for taking the high road. People may laugh at you, think you're take, being taken advantage of. But can I tell you what you're really doing? You're doing the Jesus way. Because he said, if they take your coat, offer them your shirt also. Then the, the next one, the outward is, he says this, give to everyone who asks. If someone asks you for something, give it to them. This is generosity with no preconditions. There does come a course of time when you have to have some, some boundaries and guidelines, obviously. You have to be wise about it. But when we were in our downtown church, we would get a lot of walk-ins, a lot of people walking through. The, the uh, assistance department for the county was just a, a block or two up. And so if we ever had our doors unlocked during the day, which we did a lot, we would get people to just walk in. They'd just walk in off the street. We did a, a feeding meal every Thursday, and so we kind of grew to know some of the people that were in need. They would be in need kind of perpetually. They kind of uh, almost lived in, in this, this kind of way, and we wanted to help them. And we had a policy that, that we would just about help anyone the first time, any time, until we started learning that people were scamming the system. They were going to the Presbyterian church and getting the $20 gift card there. And then they were telling uh, new freedom. You guys offer a $25 card and someone else offers a $30 card and someone else has a meal. And so they started scamming the system. We had to kind of set up some boundaries and say, no, we'll help the first couple times, but how are you getting in the channel to get some additional resources for learning and, and to, to write your situation? But Jesus said, if someone asks, give to them without expecting anything in return. Any of us can give to someone who know, we know their credit's good, they're gonna give back. But how about that person that has bad credit? Are you gonna to give to them? Jesus said so. He said, give to them anytime they ask. Just give. This is an outward response to difficult people. Now, someone's already thinking about the family member that they gave to and gave to and gave to, and they're saying, oh, pastor, I don't know, this one's hard. That's all right. We're about to come to something that'll help you, all right? Just a minute. The fourth one is this. If something is taken from you, don't ask for it back. How? How is this? How is this even possible? This is being willing to suffer the loss so that you can clear your heart and move on. Now, this is not a, a template or a litmus test for every single situation in your life, but this is a general rule of practice. And there are times where you have to just simply cut your losses and let something go. 
I did this uh, earlier this year with, with a business dealing that I was in with, with a man. And, and uh, there was this, this program that he had set up in his business. If you would do business with him, there would be a referral, and, and the referral would, would pay out this, and then the next referral this. And so I'm waiting in line for my referral, and I'm counting how many that I had, and, and I realize he's not answering my calls anymore. <laughs> he's not responding to my emails. He's not responding to my text. And I started to really think, how am I going to get even? How am I going to extract from him what he owes me, what he promised me? And finally, after realizing I'm never going to get it, I can be bitter about it. I can let it affect my heart. I can allow his bad behavior to infect my soul for a minute, or I can just simply write it off. And I just wrote it off. And I actually communicated. And I told him, you're off the hook. Don't want the referral. Not going to happen. And you know what? He actually responded to me. He said he was going to do it. He still hasn't done it, but I already wrote it off. It's okay. And some things in life, you just have to write off and move on. You just have to, for your own heart's sake, you just have to move on. My mentor gave me great advice years ago, and he said, listen, never loan money to somebody. If you have it to give, give it to them. Never loan money to them with the intent to pay it back because it creates all kinds of weird feelings, and you look at them different. And if, if you have it to give, just give it. Bless them with it. But don't get into this lender, borrower, obligation kind of a thing because it does affect our heart. It causes us to have ear feelings and, 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 and really just moments of, of weakness of thinking, how could they and, and why did they promise? And what? No, don't do that. Jesus said it like this. If something was taken, don't even ask it back. Sometimes it's best just to simply cut your losses and move on. But let, now look at, this will help you. Look at Luke 6 and 31. Luke 6 and 31 says, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Now, we live in a do unto them culture. We do unto people as they've done to us. That's what we do. We live in an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth kind of culture. We live in such a society that we will do to people as we anticipate they're gonna about to do to us. But here's what Jesus said. Do to people as you would want them to do to you. This is the golden rule. This is where we come up with the golden rule. You won't see that necessarily in the text. It may be in the margin note of your Bible. But this is the golden rule. And here's what we should ask ourselves constantly as Christ followers. What does love require in this situation? What does love require? If I'm being loving, if I'm really wanting to look at what love would require in this situation, how would I respond? Because the reality is no one has done you worse than you have done God. The debt that you have against the creator is far larger on the ledger line than what anyone has ever done to you. And so when you measure those things up, and if you were to come before God with all of their petty grievances and all the things you've ever done, I don't think that many of us would want to stand before the judgment throne and say that we're in equal balance here. We are way out of balance. And so Jesus said, just go ahead and live this way. Do unto other people as you would wish, desire, and like for them to do unto you. And sometimes, I'll add this parenthetically, sometimes you will get burned. Sometimes you will have a bruise on your cheek. Sometimes your coat will be gone and your shirt too. But other times you will be amazed at the activity of God's spirit working in the lives and the heart of someone who every now and then, maybe just one out of the 10, will come back and they'll say, thank you. 
Maybe you'll get that note. Maybe you'll get that letter. I had a guy call me. This, this amazed me. I had a guy call me. <clears throat> Last year, I was standing shopping in a store and I had this guy call me and I, I know him. I've, I've known him for years, probably known him for 12 years. And he said, Pastor Joe, he announced himself. He said, I just need to take a few minutes of your time. I need to apologize to you. I said, well, what heavens, what for? And he said, I have been holding a grudge against you for over 10 years over this thing that I perceived that you had done all these years ago. And I beg your forgiveness. I plead your forgiveness. I need you to forgive me. I mean, this man was desperate. He's probably over 70 years old, and I don't know how long he had lived with this, but, but, but about a decade. And, and, and I said, well, absolutely, for sure, you're forgiven. In fact, I didn't even know that I did anything to you. I didn't even know that there was anything between us. If I would have seen you on the street, I would have hugged your neck. And he said, I'm so glad you would. Would you do it the next time you see me? Yes, absolutely, I will. But this is what happens when we allow unforgiveness to gum up our heart, is that we're the ones that suffer. We're the ones that are in pain. And so Jesus is saying, why don't you just go ahead and operate towards others the way that you would want them to operate towards you? Maybe there's unforgiveness, maybe there's bitterness, maybe there's offense, but just go ahead and operate in this way. This is the golden rule. And I, I love how this is nestled right here in the middle of this teaching. It's almost as Jesus is saying, now listen, child, I know this isn't easy. <laughs> I know this is hard to do. These are hard sayings to understand, but you can do it. In verses 32 through 34 say, even sinners love those who are lovable to them. Sinners are those who are outside of the kingdom of God, controlled by the carnal mind only. They're the ones without the nature of Christ that's forming on the inside of them, instructing them this new code of ethics that Jesus is laying down. He's saying the natural man can do that. But what about the Jesus way, the supernatural, the extraordinary? Look at verse 35. It says, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, your reward will be great. I love the, the NLT version of, of verse 35. It says this, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to repay. Look at this, then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the most high for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. I just underscored that word from. Then your reward from heaven will be great. Let me, let me phrase it another way. I have always desired to go to Australia. I think Australia would be a great place. It's on my bucket list. But I have no immediate plans to go there anytime soon. The cost would be great. The travel time would be grueling. Don't have the, the time of my schedule to do it. And so I'm putting off for a long time going to Australia. Now, if you were to tell me that, Joe, if you would go to Australia there would be a great reward for you there. I'd say, well, that's nice. That's good. I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not going anytime soon. But if you would say, Joe, if you will operate in this way, there is a great reward coming from Australia to you. Well, I know that I can just be on, I can be on Amazon Prime and I can click something and the next day it can arrive from China. I mean, if it can get here from China, surely something can get here pretty quick from Australia, right? You would think. This is the way many of us live when we think about heaven. You see heaven, everybody wants to go to heaven but nobody wants to die. It's like, I'm gonna go there, but that's way off of my future. So when we think of a reward in heaven, we think, well, that's later on. No, the NLT says it like this. When you operate in the Jesus way, great is your reward from heaven. The heavenly host 
God himself is sending forth a blessing. There is something of a reward coming from heaven that you get to enjoy in the here and now. And when you get to heaven, you're going to enjoy it even so much more. But you don't have to wait until you get to heaven to enjoy the reward. All you have to do is live the Jesus way and your reward is great from heaven. How many want to receive the reward right now? I mean, I, I don't mind to wait for some, but I would like to have some right now. The reward from heaven. So Jesus recaps this teaching by saying the reward would be great. You'd be sons of the most high and you'd be like your father. This is the family resemblance. It's thinking and acting in ways that make you recognizable as the people of God. Let me ask you this. In your dealings with others, especially those who are difficult, do you shine forth as the light of the child of God that you are? Or do you resemble more like the ways that this battered culture, this deteriorating and diminished, this decaying world operates toward those that they hate? It's a soul probing question. It's a heart probing question. And when loving difficult people Never, ever allow their response or lack thereof to change and get you out of character, the character of Christ. Amen. Do it anyway. Bless them anyway. Speak well of them anyway, because you're sowing seeds of the kingdom. And over time, in the right time, God will reward you. But we should never forget, sometimes I am that difficult person to others. Sometimes you are the difficult person that someone is dealing with right now. Don't be that person. Be the Jesus way person. Because he said that when, so, when you're doing it, this, you're gonna receive mercy. Therefore, be merciful. Are we a merciful people? We should be because we have received such great mercy. I never like to close a service like this without giving an opportunity for all of us to take an action step, a step of faith. You see, a step of faith is simply, you don't know how the outcome will be. You don't know on the other side what it's gonna be like in most cases, but a step of faith towards God is assured that he said, if you will cry out to him with your heart, he will in no way turn you out. He will not reject the penitent the heart that is contrite and broken towards him, he will always receive it. So I'm gonna ask us to take a step of faith. Maybe your step of faith today is that you're gonna deal in the Jesus way, the golden rule way, with someone who is difficult in your life. This week, you're gonna be more patient, you're gonna be more kind, you're gonna be more loving towards someone in your path who's difficult, towards a perceived enemy who you may not even know a faceless enemy or someone you just saw on TV because they represent another side of an argument that you have. You're gonna take a step of faith to operate in love, in mercy, because God has been loving and merciful with us. Maybe today is your step of faith to come a little closer to know the love of this savior for yourself, to enjoy the sweet fellowship and the kindness of a savior who's bidding you come come unto me. He says, come, I'll give you rest. Maybe it's time just to update things a little bit. You, you, you used to be real close to God, but you've drifted and it's time to take that step of faith in the Jesus way 
and just come closer to the face of your Father, to be received with the mercy and kindness that God is extending today through Jesus Christ. If any of those apply to you, before they sing, we're gonna pray. Father, today, I pray for those who are grappling with being patient and kind to a difficult person in their life. Maybe it's a spouse, a child, a parent, a friend, a coworker. Maybe it's a church leader. God, I pray that you would help us to have that step of faith to be that merciful and kind and loving, willing to give and move on past an offense person. God, I pray for those who are reaching out their hands in feeble and weak ways to say, I, I, I wanna come closer, God. I wanna know more. I wanna say yes. For that person who is for the very first time gonna turn their life over to you. It's so simple. You said, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm so glad that I'm a whosoever will. And so for those whosoever wills today, by acknowledging in their heart and in their mind, by verbalizing yes to God, repenting before you saying, I receive Jesus as my full pardon, my savior, and I'm making my Lord in Jesus' name.